God's Word. Today we come to Luke chapter 6 in our journey through the Gospel according to Luke. And we have come to chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 6 to verse 12. Luke 6, beginning with verse 12. Remember, as we read from the Bible, we rejoice to know that this is God's Word. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot. And Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place. And a great crowd of the disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him. For power came out from him and healed them all. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. Amen. His name was Bud, and he was a member of the first congregation I tried to pastor while I was still in seminary. By the way, I'm still trying to figure out how to pastor. Bud had been driving a truck for the state in which he had lived for uh, for a number of years, but the government had changed some regulations and suddenly he was going to have to uh, undertake an examination to find out whether he was qualified to do what he had been doing all of those years. And Bud was very worried about that. He came to me after service and he said, uh, Pastor, I don't know what to do. He said, I'm going to have to study for this exam. And I said, well, Bud, that's going to be some hard work. And he said, you don't understand. He said, I'm one of those people who Made it out of high school, he said, but I barely know how to read. I was not able to stay around because I had to get in my car and go back to to seminary that afternoon. And so uh, I didn't know any better than to say, well, bud, the only thing I know to do is let's pray. And so we prayed and asked the Lord to help him. The next week he came into that sanctuary and I remember the beaming look on his face. I said, how'd it go? He said, I studied and I took that exam. He said, I did so good on that one. He said, I decided I would take the one that would uh, qualify me to carry hazardous chemicals because I'd studied that part, too, and I knew it just as good. And he said, I passed both of them without missing a question. And we gave thanks and praise to the Lord for granting him that ability. I had no question about his qualifications at all, and I'm grateful that the Lord answered prayer in that way. When we consider what it takes to be a disciple, what it takes to be one who is called by Christ, I want you to remember this. The qualifications are his. All of the requirements have been met by him. So that when we look at this passage of Scripture and we hear all of these names, we wonder, what did their resumes look like? What qualified them to be the disciples? What qualified them was the fact that Jesus called them. Don't ever forget that. We see here very quickly, prayer is essential and indispensable. In the life of a believer. Jesus is our example in everything. And so we see how that before he called those disciples, he went out to the mountain to pray. A specific location, not a mountain, but the the mountain. So 
we know this didn't happen in southwest Florida. We can discern that much. Although John would say maybe he went up on a bridge to pray. No, he went to the mountain and he prayed. But what's significant about that is that he prayed all night. All night he continued in prayer to God. Now, Jesus, of course, did things that we cannot do. He, after all, is fully God in human form. And ultimately, none of us can go to a cross and pay the penalty for the sins of others. Only Jesus could do that. But nevertheless, he serves as an example to us in life. And he demonstrates the necessity of prayer. All of us need to be given to prayer. We see that uh, in John thirteen sixteen, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And so inasmuch as Jesus demonstrated the need for prayer in his life, we understand the need for prayer in our own lives. Communicating with God, talking to him, pouring our hearts out to him. Now, of course, Jesus did not have to confess his sins to the Lord because he did no sin. But we do. As we praise and adore him in prayer, we confess and acknowledge our sins to him. We give him thanks for his blessings and we petition him for the things we need. And if we live without prayer in this life, as the Puritan said, we live without God in this life. We see how the early believers in Acts chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 all gathered in one accord, devoting themselves to prayer. This is immediately preceding the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the church in power. As they also chose a replacement for Judas, who, of course, by this point had killed himself, having betrayed the Lord. Nevertheless, we see that in this. But then we also see the actual calling that takes place. Now, what makes these men stand out to us is the fact that most of them have nowhere else appeared prior to this passage of Scripture. Some of them, we've heard of them. Most of them, we have not. So, as uh, others have said, we simply point out that the extraordinary thing about these men is that they were exceedingly ordinary. He called 12 ordinary men to learn from him and be sent out by him. After all, that's what a disciple is. Is it not one who is learning from another? And so, if we would follow the Lord Jesus, and we are called to follow him, to take up our cross, in fact, and follow him, we understand that it has everything to do with him, the one who calls us. When I was in seminary, another story comes to mind. We had an initial exam in our New Testament class where the professor was trying to discern how much we already knew about things. And one of the questions was, or rather one of the requests was, to name the twelve apostles. 12 disciples. And uh, a lot of us were sitting there, you know, you kind of get brain freeze at a moment like that. But uh, but thankfully, uh, one of my favorite Statler Brothers songs came to mind. And the man who is now my very good friend, Don Reed, actually wrote the words. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James and Philip, Thomas, Matthew, Bartholomew and Simon, Judas, Judas, James and John. And I wrote them down as that song was in my head. Andrew, go and tell your brother Peter to come around and tell him the one he's waiting for is waiting for him. The two he calls the sons of thunder quit their jobs this morning. And for eternal revenue, Matthew is cashing in. They were called to be disciples. Now, you see the names listed there, and I've tried to point out things that we know about them. How, of course, that Simon, whom Jesus named Peter, which means rock, remember, Peter and Andrew were brothers. 
We also know that James and John were brothers, as uh, they are designated in Scripture. Boanerges, sons of thunder, literally sons of Zebedee. Bartholomew is also known as Nathaniel, as we see in Scripture. So there are some designations there that are important. Thomas, also known as Didymus, or the twin. There's another James. James, the son of Alphaeus, sometimes referred to as James the Less. Now, there's a little bit of a difference over that. Some people think he was known as James the Less in the early church because he had less of a leadership role than the other James did. Others said, no, he was called that because he was short of stature. I like that. (laughs) And then, of course, you have an interesting person in Simon Zelotes or Simon the Zealot or the Canaanian. Extraordinary, isn't it? That that man who was part of a political movement that was wholly against anything Roman would have been in the same small band with Levi, otherwise known as Matthew, who had been a tax collector. You will not find any two people farther apart on a political or ideological spectrum than those two. Levi, the tax collector, who was cooperating with the Roman authority, and Simon, the zealot, who was opposed to everything Roman. Is an indication of God's grace that uh, we don't find anywhere in the New Testament that Simon the Zealot was trying to throttle Levi and get his hands around his throat. They had stark differences, and yet they were united together in Christ. And then, of course, there is Judas, known as Iscariot, who betrayed the Lord. That's told to us right here at the very beginning. And, of course, Jesus had a purpose for calling each one of these. He knew them. He knew exactly what Judas was going to do. He knew how each of these men's lives would play out. He called each of them for a purpose. But in that, we can find encouragement. He calls the ordinary and through the ordinary accomplishes the extraordinary. Because notice what happens. Immediately after calling them, he came down with them and stood on a level place. Now, if we were writing this, and if this were some Hollywood script, I suppose we would find the next step after he called them, where we would read about all the amazing things that they did. That Jesus called out these twelve to be his own, and wow, look at them. But we don't read that at all. He calls out the twelve, and then we see what Jesus did. He stood on a level place, and with a great crowd of disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, even those who were troubled by demons. What we see in this is that the power of Christ and the scope of his ministry are boundless. You see, he had the power to heal them, even to deliver them from demons. But they were people from a cross section, not only from Judea and Jerusalem, as it says in verse 17, but also from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon outside of the traditional boundary of Israel. And so Jesus here is demonstrating that he has come as a savior for the whole world, not only for the 12 tribes of Israel and their descendants, but for everyone. So we can rejoice and give thanks that his power has no bounds. He is able to heal and deliver. He ultimately is able to save us from our sins. He is able to cleanse us of our guilt when he dies on the cross and sheds his blood for us. He cleanses us of every sin as we by faith repent and trust in him. His power is on full display. 
But the scope of his ministry is ever so broad so that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ includes people all over the world from every walk of life, from every hue and color of skin and every kind of language imaginable. I can uh, may have shared with you before. It was one of those moments that was a revelation to me of sorts when we were in Romania on the first mission trip that Kathy and I ever took together. There in Eastern Europe, just a couple of years after communism had fallen, when the Ceausescu regime had uh, been cast out, and we were meeting in a Baptist church in the town of Dr. Petrogrosa. It had no roof on the building. The communists had bulldozed it to the ground years before, and they were slowly trying to rebuild that structure. The walls were up, but there was no roof. We were sitting on wooden benches and concrete blocks. And they were singing in Romanian. Words that we couldn't understand, but the tunes we recognized. They were singing to hymns, to tunes that we knew from our own singing. And so there they were singing in Romanian. We were singing in English. And I thought, you know, God knows what we're offering to him. That's the power of God as he calls disciples from all over the place. Had the same experience in Papua New Guinea years later and being struck by that as uh, the Lord met with us in that place. The scope of the ministry of the Lord Jesus is boundless. He's at work all over the world. Hey, listen. I know everybody's all souped up about the Super Bowl. But I want you to remember something. Far more people are gathering today to worship the Lord God than will know anything about that ball game this evening. Now, you may not think that because our media is so saturated with it. And we think everybody in the world is interested in the things that we're interested in. But I'm here to tell you, far more people will be engaged in the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ on this day than know anything about that football game. And, of course, we know when we get to heaven what will be important. So we rejoice in the Lord. Finally, a point that I've already made in many ways, and we see Jesus healing as he proclaims the kingdom of God in this context as all the crowds sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed them all. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't we like to know more details about that? Who were they? What did they need to be healed of? What griefs and heartaches did they bring? What tragedies of life did they bring to the Savior? And they experienced healing from him. The Christian life has everything to do with what the Lord Jesus has done and is doing. God is at work. God continues to work through his son. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you could do a little bit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The Lord Jesus continues to work through people to do extraordinary things but it's all about him it's not about the instruments that he chooses i remember dr paul coister who was with us a couple of weeks ago telling us one time in a devotion that he and his wife uh, sandy were driving down the road and they saw somebody out in the pasture painting a, a barn you know nothing extraordinary about that somebody had a bucket of paint a brush and they were painting a barn he said now just imagine if that paintbrush were to say wow look at the great job i'm doing i'm changing the color of this whole structure from something that's dull into something that's bright and pretty. Of course, that paintbrush couldn't brag in that way. Neither can we. 
when the Lord's work is accomplished in this world, it's because we're instruments in his hand. He's doing the work and he gets all the praise and the glory. And so those disciples were called to learn from Jesus, to witness concerning the Lord Jesus. They ultimately would be sent out as witnesses to testify concerning him. And so Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's all about him. All praise to his name. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we rejoice and give thanks for our great Savior and for the work Lord Jesus, that you are doing in each who have repented and trusted in you. Father, all of us come today with great need. Many are grieving loss, struggling with illness, conflict in our homes, places of work, or in our social circles. There are a great many things that weigh us down. We grieve over tragedy at home and overseas as we think of earthquakes and war. And the suffering that happens in this life. Oh, Father, open our eyes that we may see Jesus. That we may, with all of our hearts, because of your grace working in us, may seek to serve him and follow him and love him. For through him you have first loved us. All praise, honor, and glory be unto you. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Our hymn in conclusion is just as I am. How does God call us? Who are we? What are our qualifications? He calls us as we are to be his own. Let's stand together and sing as we conclude.
there's none like him. As you go forth, go to serve him, whether to Bible class or wherever you may go. Go with God's blessing. May grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with and abide with you all, both now and forevermore. And everyone said together.